This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The time has come to meet your future digital handler. And there's war everywhere you look. This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. War, war, war. Everywhere we look right now, there's some sort of war. There's the Ukraine-Russia war, which is really the Russia-NATO war. There's the war against weather balloons, the war on TikTok, the quickly heating up AI war. And then there's everyone's favorite war, the culture war. There's the war on the family, the war on men, the war on women, the climate war, the war between the progressive Democrats and the moderate ones, and the establishment Republicans war against the MAGA Republicans. There's a war on the alternative media, the Steven Crowder versus the Daily Wire war, the quartering guy versus Tim Pool war. Everywhere in society we look, it's war, war, war. And this theme continues today as a war we all knew was coming is starting to heat up a little bit. And that is the war between two potential 2024 candidates for president, Donald Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Trump has been firing shots at DeSantis For a couple of months now, which I've gotten little response from the Florida governor, who thus far has been taking the bigger man approach when it comes to Trump's attacks. The moral high ground, if you will, which to some makes Ron come off as a bit desanctimonious. And Trump is only going to continue to escalate things from here, as he did last week when he suggested that DeSantis had tears streaming down his face when he begged Trump for his endorsement back in 2018. And... As he also did again this week, yesterday or Tuesday, when Trump retruthed on True Social <laughs> a couple of images accusing DeSantis of drinking with and maybe even grooming high school girls. That's not Ron, is it? He would never do such a thing. Trump wrote sarcastically above an image of a 23 year old DeSantis back when DeSantis was a high school teacher in Rome, Georgia. I think in 2001, in the image, he is surrounded by three females whose faces are blurred out, with one appearing to be holding a beer bottle. Certainly looks like they're having a good time. Don't know where they are or how old they are. The image is captioned. This isn't what Trump said. This is just what was on the image that he, quote, retruthed. It says, and you can see it on screen, here is Ron DeSanctimonious grooming high school girls with alcohol as a teacher followed by the puking emoji. And that's what Trump reshared. <laughs> Trump followed that post up with another retruth from that same account of a post that included the same photo, and the poster had written with the photo, Ron DeSantis was having a drink party with his students when he was a high school teacher. Having drinks with underage girls and cuddling with them certainly looks pretty gross and Aphibophilia is sexual interest in mid to late adolescent 15 to 19 year olds. What the definition says there. Trump included above the photo on his retruth, he said, No way. Sarcastically, one would, one would imagine. I don't know if that's cuddling that we see in the picture, like the person who originally posted said. It looks more like 
really three chicks going, hey, the teacher's here, and then doing a photo with them. Although I don't know if that's what's going on there. DeSantis doesn't usually respond to Trump's provocations, or he hasn't really yet. However, he was asked about this groomer retruth while standing in front of a bunch of large packages of baby diapers. Here is DeSantis' response. Former President Trump yesterday made a series of posts on Truth Social directed at you. Some were insinuating that you... So he cares what I'm saying. My question is, how would your proposed legislation against defamation address those posts uh, that could be considered damaging? Well, if you think when we did the defamation panel yesterday, I made the point, look, I have a platform. It's different for me because I can fight back and people just know I face... Uh, defamatory stuff every single day I've been governor. That's just the nature of it. But I have a platform to fight back. A lot of these other people that are more little, they don't necessarily have a platform. Wait a minute. A lot of these other people that are that are more little. I understand what he's saying. Interesting way to phrase it. Uh, to fight back. And so in terms of our reforms, I really want to empower them more so than people that occupy high positions like me. It just goes with the territory. you got to have a thick skin. It's also just, practically speaking, uh, I would not take time out of being governor to be fighting lawsuits. It's just not, not practical in terms of what we're doing. But I'd also just say this. I spend my time delivering results for the people of Florida and fighting against Joe Biden. That's how I spend my time. <laughs> That was a very desanctimonious-like response from the governor there, and I feel like that aggressive cheering and clapping at the end there was a bit overdone. Like, it kind of felt like when someone laughs way too hard and for way too long at a joke that's only mildly humorous. Even the person who tells the joke at that point is just like, okay, it it wasn't that funny. You're making us all uncomfortable. It, It was just a bit aggressive in that celebration at the end there. Three thoughts on what's going on here, or I don't know, just my observations. This was significant because it was the first real reaction that Trump has gotten from DeSantis with the help of that reporter. DeSantis flinched, and I'm betting that from here, we see things start to escalate a good bit between the two. And once that happens, we're going to see that segment of Republican voters who like both Trump and DeSantis we're going to see them fracture a little bit, and it will probably just continue to – they will probably continue to fracture. More people will start taking sides, like really taking sides, not, not just for one of them, but also against, strongly against the other. So it's like there's the war between the establishment Republicans – I'm using air quotes there – against the MAGA Republicans, and soon we might also see a little war bubble up among MAGA Republicans, a civil war so to speak, because some of them do like DeSantis. It's going to be interesting to to watch where that goes. Secondly, this also shows why DeSantis' strategy of ignoring Trump's provocations for the next two years is not one that's actually going to work because the media is not going to let it work. They're going to ask him every single time Trump says something about him. I mean, it's inescapable. It's how they get clicks. It's going to come up in the debates, not just from Trump, from the moderators. This is not something that can just be avoided. 
So if he is, in fact, going to run, he's going to have to come up with something a little bit better than just being a more boring version of Trump. Now, what he could do, and he does have an angle to do it, is he could go after Trump for continuing to boast about the wild successes of Operation Warp Speed, because many people who support Trump disagree with Trump's position on that. Many don't as well. I don't know how that would play out if DeSantis did that, but it would certainly be interesting to watch. And lastly, when someone who has been stone cold and not reacted to numerous provocations finally cracks and reacts, the provoker, believing they found a weakness, will hone in on that thing that drew the reaction and they will then attack it hard, which is why it's interesting that from Trump's perspective, it's the groomer thing here that finally made DeSantis flinch. Now, I don't expect Trump just to come out and start calling DeSantis a groomer and a pedo all the time. Maybe it'll get to that eventually, you know, because it always gets crazy leading up to the elections. But I have a feeling that this will not be the last that we hear of DeSantis' high school teaching days in the early 2000s down in Rome, Georgia. We may also hear similar theme stories from his past emerge. I don't know. I have a feeling that this is going to be a theme that continues to emerge if he does, in fact, run because— as many great things as the guy says and does, and he does a lot of them, there's just been always something a little off about him to me. You know, just something. He, he, he's a little creepy. And this story, to me, which I had never heard the story about him being a high school teacher before, it was crazy to me when I heard it because I, I don't know if he went to a bunch of high school parties and drank beer with his students when he was a high school teacher. But the vibe that I've always gotten from Ron DeSantis is that if he were a high school teacher, he would have no problem going to parties with his students and drinking beer with them. I've always felt that, like, that's the kind of vibe he, he gives off. Like, I, I don't know if you guys knew a, a teacher like this when you guys were younger. I, I did. And... Ron DeSantis reminds me of him, and I may be completely misreading him. I'm just telling you the vibe that, I, that I've kind of gotten off of him, it, it, admitting that the things that he says I often agree with, but I'm just like, something. And so he was 23 when he was a high school teacher, student 17, 18. That happens at college all the time. Fifth, six-year seniors drinking with freshmen. Probably not a good idea to do it if you're their high school teacher. Probably frowned upon. We don't know if those claims are true, at least that I'm aware of. But it doesn't matter, though at least for what I'm talking about now, because what matters is that I believe that these, these lines of attack, I believe they're plausible enough to stick to him. And that, that means that they will continue coming and they could have an impact on his ability to, to win the nomination and his reputation moving forward. We'll see where it goes. All right, next I want to talk briefly about Biden's State of the Union address from the other night. A couple of thoughts I had in the aftermath. One, Never seen so many people who are that old in one room together. It was extraordinary. The average age inside the Capitol that night was hospice. Which brings me to my next thought. There's no reason Jimmy Carter can't run for a second term. He ain't dead yet. And if there's anything that we learned from that State of the Union address the other night, it's that one of the main features of Everyone in our elected government almost, like 95% of them in 2023, is that they're not quite dead yet. You think Biden turning 80 in office was crazy, 
Wait till you see Carter turn 100 in office. Next, the camera work was different. It, it was definitely different, and I believe that that was intended to enhance the drama of the moment, to continue doing what they've been trying to do with the January 6th hearings, with how they've been parading Vladimir Zelensky around and presenting him, and with what they did with the Speaker of the House vote, which was televised live in its entirety. And what they're doing is they're trying to turn politics into a Netflix television streaming drama. They have television producers come in and help them with all of this stuff. This has been an explicit effort that they've been talking about doing. And the camera work that night, Biden would say something like, maybe, oh, there's this group of people who are doing this bad thing, man. And then he'd go, but I won't say, I won't mention any names or anything. And then when he would say that, the camera would dramatically cut to like a group of people as if to say, Here's the guilty party. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, they did that a number of times. And they were definitely experimenting with some dramatic storytelling, uh, live storytelling techniques there. And if we go back and think about that vote for Speaker of the House, in the aftermath of that, the message was the same from people on the left and the right, on this point anyway. They all loved that the cameras were on, and they were sh- the cameras were showing the American people how the sausage is made live, and they all wanted that to become the standard. True transparency, so we get to see how democracy works. Reality is, what that causes, when cameras are always on, is it causes people to always be playing for the camera and the dr- drama of the moment there, and ultimately Congress is going to end up looking like a more well-made-for-TV produced version of what they do over in the British Parliament when they just yell at each other and complete pandemonium breaks out. We're going to get to that here. It's just going to look beautiful and like your favorite streaming show. And another experiment with making it more television-like and dramatic and transparent for the American people, for us, What they did after the State of the Union, it's expressed in this article here on screen. The headline of this is, this is from The Independent, Biden's hot mic moments after the State of the Union were the real performance. I don't want to play that just yet. But the article sets it up by saying, the boring bit was over. Now was his time to shine. As the cameras kept rolling and the mics too, Mr. Biden meandered his way from the podium to the exit, pressing the flesh with dozens of Democratic Party colleagues and a smattering of friendly Republicans. It's kind of a weird way to say that, especially when it's Biden, pressing flesh. Then it goes on to say, diligently documented by Jennifer Bendery, senior politics reporter for Huffington Post, the footage gave viewers at home a rare and close-up look at how the Biden White House interacts with the legislative branch. Even for a man who has earned a reputation over the years as a master of retail politics, his performance will go down as one of the greats. (laughs) This is similar to the McCarthy Speaker of the House vote stuff, giving us a look at how the sausage is made. Just another opportunity to propagandize people, in my opinion. Let's watch it. I haven't watched it yet. Let's see how it is. Good job, Mr. President. Aren't those stars heavy? Bob, i got to talk to you about Cuba. 
Okay. I'm serious. The Jenny's going to have to take some of that glass off to get the space. Mr. President, that was awesome. Thank you. That was awesome. And you said, Joe, I told you, said, Joe, I want you to fix the toilet. I said, no, no problem. You got a gun as big as my thumb. Members need everything Every time I see this guy, I wonder who his haberdash is. I want to know where he gets his suits. We're getting our picture taken. We got a first-rate photographer. This is my house. You ever been to Oh, of I should live in Garden City. Yeah. It's a little bit wet. Then I get it. There you go. Oh, I'm dead. The Oh, I'm dead. He's trying to make me feel good. She erased it. Is he drunk? This is my five-month-old son. Oh, oh God, I love you. He's a. Uh, I brought him oh, to the speakers, but he's a cute little. Sure, hell is you lucky. For those listening, Biden's just meandering around Congress like somebody who's hammered would meander around a bar at like 1.30 a.m. Every time I sat down with Barack, it started every morning I met with him. And he started off every conversation. You know what the temperature is in Hawaii right now? 79. He says 79. Hey, guys, how you doing? Take care of mom and be patient with dad, okay? <laughs> Get a number. Good, Good to see you, man. Thank Jimmy from Good to see you. Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> tell Dad to take it easy on you, will you? Well, he got your message, by the way. King Tucker, how's Dad, boy? Good to see you. Good to see you. He's my, a good one. My, my four-year-old asked me to ask me this. If she can come to this Sure she can come okay, to this. Okay, there we go. <laughs> With or without you, yeah, we'll I'll, take I'll, care I'll, of you. Oh, my gosh. He just asked, one of those people said, my four-year-old wanted to know if she could come in. And Biden goes, you sure she can come in, with or without you? Way to take the moment, seize it to be creepy there, Biden. No. We'll go dry in agriculture last year, and I don't know where the food's going to come from. I don't either. I've been out there this whole time. Yeah. There was nothing great about that. That was an old man meandering wildly. And finally, I don't know how I almost forgot this part of it because it's on the background of my screen right now. Perhaps the biggest evidence of the Hollywoodization of Washington, D.C., this effort that they're engaging in and cameras on everywhere all the time, is the fact that not everybody wore the same old boring business professional-like outfits that most of these people have probably had in their closets since 1937. There's a couple of people who spice things up a little bit with a little Hollywood-style red carpet flair and that was Marjorie Taylor Greene and Kristen Simina, who both looked like they were on their way to the Grammys and took a wrong turn. Is there any chance that either one of these women would have worn these outfits if the television cameras weren't on? No. Zero chance. Because nobody wears these outfits if the television cameras aren't on. They're not wearing these outfits to try and impress the 106-year-old men that are surrounding them. They could just wear... Giant sweaters and impress them. All right, now we're going to talk about the AI arms race getting hotter and hotter 
as big tech companies continue to attempt to transform and ultimately take full control of what we can and cannot do on the internet. Today's update, it comes from Microsoft as it has launched its new AI search tool and demonstrated to us how we will use it to navigate the internet of the future, which the way that we will use it is under the close watch and guidance of our own personal, highly responsible digital co-pilot. That's how Microsoft describes it anyway. It's more of a virtual handler that will be stovepiping information to us that we are allowed to have while protecting us from the dangers of bad information or misinformation, as some like to refer to it. So yes, we will be hearing a lot about all of the ways this new technology and new ways of searching is going to make our quality of lives so much better and make us all so much happier. All the benefits, as though that were the main purpose of this technology, but when you get down to it, especially hearing them talk about it and describe it here, the main purpose seems to be less about satisfying consumer needs and far more about turning their AI search browser into the latest and perhaps most powerful yet tool of propaganda for the powers that be. Okay, so I got some clips I want you guys to hear. Yesterday, Microsoft launched their all-new, all-powered Bing search engine and Edge browser. They called it your new co-pilot talking about us. Uh, co-pilot and web, that is, uh, for the search browser. And I'm going to start here. This is the chairman of CEO, or excuse me, the chairman and CEO of Microsoft. And he's talking about how AI is going to transform the web and two things he sees emerging in that regard. We think there are two things that are emerging. One is this conversational intelligent agents I think there are going to be things that we are going to have everywhere we go. All computer interaction is going to be mediated with an agent helping you. In fact, we're going to have this notion of a co-pilot that's going to be there across every application canvas inside of an operating system shell in a browser. Conversationally intelligent agents. That's what he said. And they're just going to be everywhere. And sounds like he thinks we're going to be carrying them with us at all times. And that all computer interactions are going to be medi mediated by this co-pilot. He says this AI agent, this AI co-pilot, that is your omnipresent co-pilot who will be everywhere with you all the time. All future computer interactions are going to be mediated by your own personal omnipresent AI co-pilot who is with you at all times, everywhere. I think that's basically what he just said. Okay, now he is talking about basically how this is a race and how they're going to be moving rapidly. How it's going to reshape the largest software category on planet Earth, which I've been working on for a long time, which we are very, very excited about, search. And... It's a new day uh, in search. It's a new it's day. It's a new paradigm for search. Rapid innovation is going to come. In fact, a race starts today in terms of what you can expect. And we're going to move. We're going to move fast. And for us, every day, we want to bring out new things. And most importantly, we want to have a lot of fun innovating again in search because it's high time. With that, let me turn it over to Yusuf. It's high time to innovate and search. It's a, it's a new day. And they're going to be moving rapidly because this is the race. 
And we are the test subjects. We're helping them perfect it. Okay, the next guy that speaks is the corporate vice president. He's kind of douchey, and he introduces us to, for the first time, our future co-pilot, our digital handler, our omnipresent all-watcher, all-seer. Can't wait to meet him or her or whatever. We think of it humbly as the next generation of search and browsing. Infused with AI and assembled as an integrated experience, we are going to reimagine the search engine, the web browser, and new chat experiences into something we think of as your co-pilot for the web. Now, uh, that's, that's our co-pilot. What does this mean, infused with AI? Is that like when something's infused with marijuana or, or you infuse cherry jelly into a, a dry cranberry? Is it work the same way? See, that it says on screen there, your AI-powered co-pilot for the web. And then it has somebody standing up on a mountain like they are as free as a bird because of their co-pilot, their AI-powered co-pilot. Co-pilot is a critical word because we believe in the empowering nature of AI in which you, the individual, are in charge. Now, what it is is not even as important as what it represents. And that is for us an aspiration to unlock the joy of discovery, the wonder of creation, and that feeling of empowerment from being able to harness the world's knowledge. At the center of this new co-pilot experience is an all-new Bing search engine and Edge web browser. And it's going to do four things for you. First, it's a better search. It's the search you know and love, but it's better because it's AI-powered. Okay, that, that's, that, that's the reasoning right there. What do you say again? First, it's the Bing search that you know and love, except it's better because it's AI-powered. This guy just assumes that everything that's AI-powered is better. I, I guess he must be married to a robot wife and have a robot family. It's the same family as he once knew and loved, but... Just AI-powered, so it's much better. Here is his second one. Second, not only does it give you the search results, but it will actually answer your questions. That one right there is where they're taking away people's, you know, need or, or, or want to dive in and figure stuff out on their own. They're trying to present this as like, no, you don't need to think. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to figure it out. They talked about how, not in this, but in an article from, I believe it's either Google or Microsoft. Google, the idea behind Google, at least they say, was somebody puts in a search and a bunch of different possible sources come back. And then they get to pick and choose based on their own judgment what they think is best. And they, they figure it out on their own. That's kind of the opposite of what, what's going on with this new Microsoft Bing Copilot. The idea behind Bing seems to be that you don't need to figure anything out because it's all going to be done for you so you don't have to worry about going through all of that stuff and thinking and being exposed to dangerous information. Here's the third one. Third, we're going to make it incredibly easy to use. We're going to let you chat. We're going to let you just talk to it naturally. I'm sure that's what he tells his wife. At last, when you need that spark of creativity, Bing can generate content for you automatically to help you get started. 
So he, he wants you to talk to it. Just talk to it naturally. Just relax. Talk to it naturally. It'll bring you back any search result you desire. It was creepy how he said that. But this idea of talking to it naturally and feeling comfortable with it. So we'll be doing our searches through conversations with these bots. They'll be helping form the queries. I mean, it's just, it's total AI directing people. This is controlling very tightly what people search for and what they, yeah, not just what they find, but what they actually input in the search thing. It's going to be mediated, moderated. Some queries probably won't be allowed. Okay, here he talks about removing some of those choices from people, making things easier. And the interesting math that he thinks Bing adds up to. In all seriousness, with over 10 billion queries a day, we all know the search engine's an incredible tool. We do. And yet, as the web has grown, we've run into challenges. People are overwhelmed increasingly with too many links when they're trying to find simple answers. In fact, 40% of the time, people click on search links, they click back immediately. That's a sign they're not finding what they want. That's true. It can be overwhelming with links. You gotta get a system. It's tough for me. Sometimes I have way too many tabs open. But this seems like a convenient sell that also just is also gonna get people not looking things up anymore. Let him what continue. this means, if you just kind of do the simple math, it means that roughly half of all searches aren't delivering the job that people want. If you, if you go on the 10 million queries, it means that every second, 50,000 people's searches potentially go unanswered. Wow, he should have had some really sad music underneath that because it sounded like one of those. Every second that we talk, one more African child suffers. This is why we believe it's time for a new approach in search. And for the billions of queries that are going unanswered, we've seen uh, new attempts to try and address the problem. As you all know, there are vertical search attempts. Um, Amazon has done a better job for shopping. YouTube's great for video. Reddit is a great place to come get advice. And the benefits of search are well known. It's fast, it's timely, and there's a great business model. And then, more recently, there've been another vector, more disruptive ideas, like leveraging AI to answer questions directly and to generate content. These are amazing as well. They show what's possible. But what if you could get the two to come together? Not only would you get two things in one, but we think you could actually solve problems in each, and we think you could get to something that is really one plus one equals three. And we have done that with the new Bing. They've defied math with the new Bing. One plus one equals three. That's what the media does to people all the time. They make people think in that sort of logic. This is perfect. It's just, we're going to make one plus one three like the propaganda machine does. And we have done that with the new Bing. Let's find out how. I want to share with you four technical breakthroughs the team has achieved to make this come to life. First, through our fantastic partnership with Sam and the brilliant team at OpenAI, I'm excited to announce that Bing is running on a new, next-generation, large-language model, one that is much more powerful than ChatGPT, and one that is customized specifically for search. Imagine how amazing the Hunter Haley Biden love poems will be on this more powerful one. It's unlike anything you've had a chance to play with, and we can't wait for you to try it. 
Second, we've developed a proprietary way of working with OpenAI that allows us to best leverage the power. We call this collection of capabilities and techniques the Prometheus model. The core idea here is that both at training and at runtime, we engage with the OpenAI model more intelligently through our knowledge of the web via the Bing index and some special query techniques. We're gonna dig into this a little bit more later, but the benefits are the following. First, we can improve the relevancy of answers by feeding in and better tuning queries. Ah, improve the relevancy of answers by having a little consult with this Prometheus model, and it's gonna sit down with you and ask, tell you what questions to ask. To ask. So it, it's going to shape and nudge and influence what people even input into the program. The questions might not even be their own. Given our understanding of the web search index. Next, we can annotate the answers with specific web links and citations. Okay, so what this is, this is their fact-checking mechanism right here. So they control the query, direct it in whatever way is acceptable for the mainstream. What's relevant is going to end up being the mainstream propaganda, which will be deemed the most relevant by those who pro I mean, this is Microsoft here. So that's where the relevance is going to come in. They, they want this AI, your co-pilot, to replace your trusted expert anywhere because they don't want people trusting the wrong experts. So they want to eliminate the wrong experts. And, and I guess, I don't know why people would trust these things. I don't know how they're going to get people to. But once they get the proper information in front of them that, that is acceptable, they then, like fact-checking sites, link, all the, link the sources and the articles and whatever, like you see at the bottom of Wikipedia, and as though simply because it's there and you can click on it, that that's the facts. But they're just going to be circular verifying just like they do now. It's just the AI circular verifying. We can get you more up-to-date information because search crawls the web every day, and we can improve understanding of geolocation. Better geolocation tracking or understanding. Finally, we can increase the safety of the answers as well by catching queries at initiation and then checking that again. Increase the safety of the answers. That's what the bulk of this is about. And they're gonna do that by checking queries at the initiation so they're going to check the question and make sure it's okay. That's the consult where you don't even get to determine what questions you ask anymore. Your questions have to be accepted by your virtual handler and co-pilot. And then they will check again at the delivery of an answer. Double-ended verification. Make sure nothing unapproved gets through. So the story about Google today was their stock dropped like 8% or something like that after they played the commercial when they announced their BARD rollout. You know, my name, but the A and the R switched. Because in their commercial, they, the claim is, I didn't see it. Uh, maybe I did see it, and I just didn't know the answer was wrong. They were demonstrating their technology, and... It's AI answered the question wrong. It got like two, two parts of a question about a, a space image, right? And then the last one, it identified the wrong space image at NASA that, that took the picture. So it spread it 
false bad information, then the stock plummeted. At least that's what they say, whether the two are connected. I don't know, but that's what they say. And I think the clear message they want to deliver with that is AI that delivers bad information, mis or disinformation, is going to be hurt badly financially when their stock plummets. Maybe a, a threat to companies that want to get in that space to make sure they don't break the boundaries which are being established about what you can talk about and look up and query. And it also gives the illusion that Microsoft's is trustworthy because it hasn't made a mistake like that because its stock price isn't dropping. All right, and for this final clip, I'm not sure who is speaking here because I don't remember the order which the final clips are in. So we're going to see it together. Now I want to set up the first search scenario. Uh, My daughter and I, we both love art. She's studying art at school, and I'd like to stay connected with her on our mutual passion. Last semester, she was learning about Mexican painters. I'd like to get a quick summary of the most influential Mexican painters and their works to learn a bit more about the topic. If I type the full query of what I'd like to know in today's search, here's what I'd get. And so I'll just type in, compare the most influential Mexican artists and their top paintings, and you'll get what you expect, right? Some links. It's fine, but we can do better. Let's try this now in the new Bing. What you'll see as we pull up is first you see the web results here on the left, but then on the right you start to see how we start to compile the answer. And what you get here now is we have the ability to highlight these web links. We can annotate the results, and that's because we're able to go in and apply our index onto the answers there. Apply their index onto the answers. This is the fact-checking mechanism. We've seen stuff like this before. They're talking about this being so groundbreaking and, and breakthrough. But there's stuff like this that already exists. Maybe this is just faster? In other words, the answers and the search on one page has saved me a huge amount of time. This gives you a little bit of a sense of what you can do. Now, you've seen some of this before. You might say, hey, I've seen some of this. Let's yeah. show you how we can do some additional things. I'm going to show you another query, so where we use the timeliness of search. So let's go ahead and ask about events in Scottsdale during the Super Bowl. And what you'll see is we get back an answer here where we have events, and we're able to do that because Bing crawls web. Notice how we can find not only that the Super Bowl is played in Glendale on the 12th, but then the events like Cardi B's Super Bowl party that's on the 10th also shows up. So we were able to pull these things together. So you get it started. Thank goodness I know where Cardi B's Super Bowl party is. Thank you, Bing. To get a sense of how we can build on what's today with the Bing index. Now I'm going to show you a few more of these types of answers quickly so you can get a sense of the power and the time savings from Bing. When I'm uh, running an errand, like the example I gave to you earlier, I can ask Bing to determine if that new love seat from Ikea is going to fit in the back of my Honda Odyssey. And what you'll see is Bing can actually find the dimensions of the love seat, the interior space of the car, and then make an estimation as to whether it will fit. In this case, I'm choosing an example of where Bing does not know the answer. And we know, uh, and we know that we can't be definitive about it. And the reason I'm doing that is because we know we won't be able to answer every question every time. But Bing can still provide some helpful information, as you can see on this answer. Another example, when I'm shopping, I can ask Bing to search, find, and compare the top three selling pet vacuums list, listing the pros and cons. And just take a look. Look how great this answer is. It has all three of the products I'm looking for 
super helpful pros and cons. Stop and think, if you had to compile that, how much time that would take you to do? And as you can see at the top of the page, we still have the advertising in this example because we know when people are shopping, those ads are helpful. And finally on this one, it eliminates all that time. I mean, that stuff does take a lot of time. It's just a matter of whether you trust that that AI is not going to be leaving out certain things that might change the rel relevance or meaning of the information that it does give you as it stovepipes you. If I'm cooking and I realize I've forgotten a key ingredient, for in this case, for example, eggs for my cake recipe, Bing can not only find the, exact, the egg substitutes, it can get me the exact amount for each ingredient. So now they can start directing you on when to eat bugs. But that's what this is. You know, what, there's an egg shortage. Here's some egg alternatives, and they're not even going to tell you maybe where eggs are available. Maybe they won't even let you search. Like, they'll change the query to direct you towards egg alternatives. And, and take a look at this. I love this. Sure. You can actually see, for example, if you go with vinegar and baking soda, the cake is lighter and more fluffy. Ooh. These are just little helpful tips that every day help make your life a little better. These are just some examples. And you can start to get a sense of how, with answers, we go far beyond what you can do with search day. We can actually help you get what you want to get done. Now let me tell you about how Bing goes further to help you with particularly complex questions for which there's not a precise answer. I wanted to introduce to you the new chat experience in Bing. I think of this as search with your own personal helper to help you refine your query until you get exactly what you're looking for. So this is an elaboration of that. Refine your query. Control what you ask. Until you get exactly what you're looking for. This comes in handy for activities like trip planning and shopping research. Let's start with shopping. So I'm going to look for a 65-inch TV. Again, you see our ads at the top, the, result, the links on the left, and the answers here on the right. And you can pick whichever you'd like. We give you a good set of answers, but now I want to refine this query. So I can do that by going to chat. Now I can either swipe up with my fingers or look up here at the top of the screen. We have now a new chat scope. And with that, with one click, you are now into chat. Look how beautiful that is. Search to chat, just so seamless. And now we take away all of the content that was in your place and you focus you on your query. The search box you can't see, now that can take up to 2,000 characters. So you can really, you can just talk to it. You can just ask for it. So in this case, let's say I'm going to ask for a gaming optimized TV. All I have to say is, which of these are best for gaming? And we remember all of the context. We know that we're talking about flat screens. They remember all of the context of the conversation. I wonder if that gets cleared out, if you clear your cache, or is it just infused in the technology? We know we're talking about 65-inch TVs. And look how Bing starts to come back. It does all the queries on my behalf and comes back with a great answer. And I just want to highlight a few things for you. Since we know you're asking about gaming TVs, we pull out, oh, this one has a game optimizer, this has game mode, and so we make that really helpful. I'm on a budget. I'll ask you to adjust it for uh, which one of these is the cheapest. Again, Bing knows the context, and it just goes in and refires the queries. So easy, you just talk to it, and you can refine your shopping experience. And again, we find the prices here. I didn't know you could get a flat screen for under $500, but that's a good deal there on Bing if you're looking for a TV. He didn't know you could get a flat screen for under $500? What universe does this guy live in? There's a lot of flat screens for under $500. It's 2023. This guy's like, I don't go in stores 
where the cheapest thing isn't over $500. These type of effects or features that he's talking about might seem innocent when you're talking about groceries, maybe. Really not even then. But when you apply this to news information, then it's going to flat out censor any alternative media. Is there any doubt about that? On their program, anyway. You can use, who uses Bing, anyway? All right, before we get out of here and continue those clips in the XR, which, if you want access to those, again, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. And along with the DNB XR, you'll get the DNB ad-free. I take out all the ads for all subscribers in it. They are put together in a private RSS feed that you can pop into just about any podcast player. All right, before we get out of here, I want to look at what Merriam-Webster's word of the day is, the propaganda dictionary that will change the definition of a gender just at the drop of a hat. And they have a bunch of interesting little games and propaganda-like stuff on there, so I like to look at their page from time to time. They do a word of the day, and their word today is... Ignis Fatuous. Ignis Fatuous, which I'm sure you heard through the website uh, audio. And it says, An Ignis Fatuous is a light that sometimes appears in the night over marshy ground and is often attributable to the combustion of gas from decomposed organic matter. The term can also refer to deceptive goal or hope. That was quite a turn. Oh, yeah, it also means deception. That makes more sense. I mean, decomposing matter, deception is decomposing many people's matter, okay? Here's an example sentence. An ignis fatuous hovered above the horizon as we made our late trek home. Another one. The film explores how people fall victim to the ignis fatuous of religious cults. The ignis fatuous is coming. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.